Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. It was just about a month ago here on Chicago's Legal Latte that we um, chose to focus our conversation on what was then the just-passed new tax law, uh, which is formerly known as the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. And we had had a really great discussion and shared with you, um, I think at that point, a high-level recap of of what was then breaking news. Uh, Today we want to revisit that topic and allow ourselves to go a little bit deeper into some of the specifics of the act. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and as was the case in our first discussion, I'm joined today by Attorney Tim Hughes, a partner at Lavelle Law and CPA Dana Davidson. Uh, both of these gentlemen bring over 25 years' experience in tax and tax law and have a great deal to contribute, so I'm looking forward to continuing our conversation. Um, gentlemen, we've got a lot to cover, and Tim, I, maybe I'll start with you quickly here um, because people may not have heard the first episode. Can you kind of just run us through a quick refresher on what transpired in December and, and what the main you know features that people recognize in this act? Well, we don't have enough time in 15 minutes to do all that, but real quickly, uh, Major <laughs> Change Act of and uh, Generation, uh, it lowered the tax brackets for both individuals and corporations. Uh, on the personal side, we talked that personal exemptions are repealed, the, um, for those taxpayers who itemize deductions, there's uh, new limits on um, state and local income and real estate taxes being capped at 10000 Home mortgage interest and equity loan uh, uh, deductions are a little bit, um, well, home mortgage interest is now capped at 750000 and HELOCs are no longer deductible. And then um, also talked about... Uh, the standard deduction uh, being doubled, the tax credit increase, and um, we just started getting into some other items, which I think uh, Dana and I, I will elaborate later or this afternoon. Yeah, and you know, we, so many people focus on those individual items, which are critical to everyone, but there's a lot on the business side as well. And Dana, I think last time we talked, you were starting to reference a, a special tax benefit for business owners. Can we kind of maybe pick up the discussion there? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, Dana B. Davidson, CPA, Dana B. Davidson, CPA company in Northbrook, Illinois here. But, hey, uh, yeah, so one of the key, very intriguing deductions is the qualified business income deduction. We talked a little bit about it last time. Um, and, and normally service businesses were excluded is unless there was an exception, and I don't think we really went over that exception, which is as long as your adjusted gross income is less than or equal to $315,000. So if you're an attorney, an accountant, a doctor, a medical professional, health professional, you have your own business, sole proprietorship, S-corp, LLC, partnership, you will qualify for the qualified business income deduction, which basically says whatever your net profit is, let's say it's $100,000, you get to take $20,000 off 
off the the, the bottom line and only pay tax on eighty thousand. And so, um, so attorneys and accountants are like, yay, as long as your income is less than three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars as a couple. That's a couple. It's actually one hundred and fifty-seven thousand five hundred if if you're an individual. And and just to clarify, you mentioned a number of. Div- different business entities there. Um, so it, it really doesn't matter what type of entity you are, and it doesn't matter the size of the company. The, the sort of deciding factor in terms of this is, is really that, that net figure at the end of the year. For, for service businesses, specified service right. businesses. Now, if I'm a manufacturer, if I'm a software reseller, a developer, I'm not in a service business, and there's going to be some anti-abuse you know, gyrations. But let's say I make a million dollars from my software business. That's going to be a different story altogether. You will not have that cap. So you'll be able to say, hey, my net profit was $1 million. I only have to pay tax on 800000 And it's just a, an, a just a gimme. It's it's just automatic. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a beautiful uh, deduction. So, but it, if you're in a service business, that's where the $315,000 rule is, is going to, to come into play. And and there's more to the formulas, but that, that's essentially the, the major uh, line items to consider. And, and when we look at it from a business perspective, I think it's probably very similar to what we've always talked about with individuals. And, Tim, maybe you could comment on this. It, when you look at this new law, and Dana uh, has said he's, you know, he's getting a lot of calls right now because he's getting out in front of this trying to help clients, but when when the law changes like this and there are new deductions or things added or taken away one of the best things to do is get out in front of it sort of you know try and plan your tax strategy so you have a a good advantage going into the year as opposed to trying to scramble at the end of the year and figure out how you could cut your taxes absolutely and, and i will oh, say okay. jim Go ahead, Dana. That, well i was going to say that that's why this proactive planning is so important because if you're at Three hundred and sixteen thousand of, of adjusted gross income or more. You're you're essentially going to be knocked out and eliminated and phased out. And so you really want to make sure your business liability, your business bottom line, is is the right number, and, and not be reactionary and say, oh, April fifteenth. It turns out uh, I don't qualify for some things. Boy, I wish I had done things differently, such as pay some of my business expenses, set up retirement plans, give extra money to the employees and the and the owners for retirement, and so forth. I would agree. And, uh, and Dana, hundred percent. Yeah, go ahead. Dana said, no, go, uh, no, I, I don't have much to add to that. Just that, you know. With the uh, passing of time past December 31st, we're now in calendar 2018, so there are some limits on what can be done, but there still is an opportunity on some uh, uh, options. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of different aspects here, and, and we, you know, we talked about the business side there, and, and Dana, as I'm sure you know, uh, the folks at Lavelle Law have a, have a very highly regarded family law practice group, and uh, we've talked to them on a number of occasions on different topics. But if I understand the, the uh, you know this new tax act correctly, there are also some changes impacting uh, ish, uh, scenarios like divorce and separation. Can you kind of tell us what's different there? Yes, yes, that's a very good question. One of the key things to keep in mind is December 31st, 2018. So we're talking literally 11 months from now. 
the rules will change substantially for uh, separations in alimony. And, and so you want to make sure that those separation agreements and divorce agreements are signed and effective December 31st or sooner, or you're going to be under the new laws, and the new laws say that you pay alimony, you get no, dedu- no deduction. Now, the person receiving it is going to be awfully happy because it's tax-free to them, but it's a substantial change in law that's going to possibly blindside people if they aren't aware of it. And also, if there's a modification, you have to be very, very careful because a modification of a prior agreement might come under the new rule. So you need to make sure that you're working with a very competent family uh, attorney just to make sure that uh, you don't get some type of gotcha. It was uh, December of 2017 uh, when we had a great flurry of activity in the news cycles, just right before Christmas as Congress passed and the president signed a new tax law. And at that time, we convened attorney Tim Hughes of Lavelle Law and CPA Dana, Dana Davidson of Dana B. Davidson uh, CPA to get an early look. And today they're both back to talk about uh, a little bit more of what uh, has taken place there. And uh, both are sharing as much information as we can here today. We talked, Tim mentioned a few things um, uh, at, in general terms. And, and maybe, Dana, you can comment, first of all, on other things that have big impact, including the mortgage interest deduction and, and how that's going to impact people. Some of the mortgage deduction is is not going to necessarily affect some of the middle class, but it used to be that you could acquire and have up to a, a million-dollar mortgage and deduct the interest on that. Now it's only 750000 for a family and uh, 375000 for an individual. So um, there's going to be some issues if somebody's buying a $450,000 property and their mortgage is 400000 and they're a single person. It, some of that interest is going to be capped out. So it's, it's going to be easier to, to, to be caught by that. So that's something to think mm-hmm. about. And as t- Tim said before, uh, and, and we all realize the home equity loan interest deduction is is completely gone away, and it's suspended until 2026, depending on if the law gets made permanent or extended. Yeah, and that's a whole other piece of it we'll try and get to today. But the other the other one that stood out for me is the child tax credit, because that always seemed to be a, be a very standard thing that, that people took advantage of. And is that changed or gone, or what what's taking place with that? So so the bad news is on the personal exemptions that you won't get a personal exemption for each child. However, the child tax credit is increased to $2,000 per child. So if you have 10 children, you know, we're we're talking a lot of money. Um and the refundable portion is $1,400 per child because sometimes you might not have a a tax liability. You, you can still get that that child tax credit. Um, it's also, I, I feel, very friendly to all Americans in that at least the child credit isn't really phased out until around 400000 of income. So that, that's one of my personal things is I get disappointed when the law says, okay, your income is 100000 you get this. Oh, your income is over 100000 you don't get this. And so at least it's a, a little bit more fair to all in giving us all the same playing rules. And, and Tim, you know, over the years, you and I have had several conversations about IRS and enforcement and things that you're you're very familiar with. And I know over the last couple of years, at times, we've talked about some cutbacks uh, on their side. 
can you kind of crystal ball this a little bit? Because now there's a whole bunch of changes and there's going to be a lot of confusion. Is, do you see the IRS as being ready to uphold some of these changes and hold taxpayers accountable, or what do you envision over the next year or two? Well, the uh, Act didn't give a lot of funding for the IRS for collection or audit, so they're still on tight budget or the austerity program is going to continue for a while. But the uh, changes in the law may uh, impact some people um, with higher income that may be uh, a better target for IRS collection and may, with the um, uh, credits and the uh, standard deduction being uh, doubled and uh, brackets being uh, lowered that um, the people that might have just had a small balance and been uh, harassed by collection notices that they may now be under the uh, radar by having a small refund instead of a small balance due that clogs up uh, collection. So it may allow IRS to go after bigger accounts. Interesting. Um, and, and, Dana, we've got maybe a minute or so left here. There's so much to cover. But um, you said something just a minute ago about whether or not this act is actually permanent, that there's sort of a sunset on it. What, what actually is involved in that, and, and, you know, why is it written that way? Um, to come under I'm, – I'm assuming part of it is budget reconciliation, but essentially in order to make this work, everything had to be suspended, and then these rules were – put into place for 10 years. And so in 2026, we revert back to old, the old rules, but I'm assuming by then there'll be some type of um, understanding, hey, this worked, this was great, oh, let's change this, let's make this better and, and fix these uh, loopholes. Um, so, so as an example, you know, federal disasters, you, you have to have a federal disaster before you can take a casualty. Right now, it just needs to be a, a rank-and-file tornado, and then it's, it's substantial and you can take a deduction. Now it, the rules have changed so that you can't take that unless there's a, a federally declared disaster. Um, Jim, if I could say, just some for some of our Illinois clients, some substantial changes there that for the first time in a long time, Illinois is requiring electronic filing of all W-2s. And so that sort of caught a lot of employers by surprise that they have to electronically file W-2s. That's a pretty much a new requirement, especially for small employers. And uh, and then, of course, we all know the, the individual and tax rate increased to 4.59% for individuals and 7% for corporations. Well, Dana, thanks very much for kind of bringing us up to speed there. Uh, Tim Hughes, I want to thank you as well. Um, always good to have these guys with us. And you have more questions as listeners, I know. So please visit lavellelaw.com or danatax.com. Uh, and reach out to these gentlemen. We certainly appreciate them being here. I'm sure we'll talk again. And as always, thanks to you for listening.